Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move. We're reviving through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that time in the Bible where Abraham talks to a priest who apparently doesn't have a mom or a dad. If you're wondering, what in the world am I talking about? That's Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 to 24. My guest is the one and only, maybe you would call him a priest if he was part of a different religion, oh, Jonathan Leonardo. Stop it. You getting no priest, man. <laughs> Yeah. Father Jonathan Leonardo. Oh, oh, that's even worse. The the Reverend Doctor Good Brother. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A it's lot. interesting uh, how different uh, faiths have different approaches to the names, and it's like I don't know why. Why is that? I don't know, man. I mean, I'd prefer just to be called Jonathan most of the time. But... You you would be opposed to being called the Honorable. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one who is honorable, man. So, uh, well, uh, Mikilzadek is the person who we're going to be talking about t today. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Abram has just come back from a, a battle. He comes and meets this guy called Mikilzadek. Yeah. Uh, he tries to give him a bunch of money. And the guy's like, no, I wouldn't even take your shoes, bro, which is where the title of the episode comes from. I don't want those shoes, bro. Um, this is a, an interesting story for context. Back when I was doing that Christian vlogger and mm -hmm. I would do question and answer sessions and I do live streams and things like that fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. One question would happen all the time and I never knew what to say. Yeah. And it was always a question on the idea of who is Melchizedek. And I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, Melchizedek's a priest. He's like this king figure. Like I get there, there's this story here with Abraham, but I was always confused as to why it mattered so much. And so I, I, I was maybe wondering if you, we could take a step back and you can give us the bigger picture as to why Melchizedek is a figure of interest uh, for a lot of Christians. It, yes, we're going to talk about the story, but there's other things that happen in the New Testament that make this person uh, a person of interest yeah when you get to the letter of hebrews right um i don't know if i mentioned this before but I, one one writer talking about hebrews said that um he likes to refer to the author of hebrews as the pastor 
Oh, because right, he feels that Hebrews is a sermon. It's okay. an extended sermon. I really like that. So the pastor in Hebrews, right, Paul, um, the pastor in Hebrews uh, highlights Melchizedek as a type, an anti-type to, to Christ in his ministry. Right. So Christ serves in the duality of two offices, which he is both king and priest. And we have a better priesthood now and a greater king. And he is in the person of Jesus, uh, the author of Hebrews, the pastor, uh, refers to Melchizedek and uses Melchizedek as this sort of framing tool. Uh, we call it a type, right? Theologically, Melchizedek is a type of the one who is to come. And there are several elements of Melchizedek's life that draw a a, a, a sort of uh, a line to Christ in the book of Hebrews. And here's one of them is that Genesis is a book of genealogies. Right. Genesis is a book of family lineage and histories. It's a book of um, biological relationships being strained under the weight of sin. It's a book of infighting amongst those who are related to one another. And it, the book of Genesis catalogs those relationships in a family tree of sorts in series of genealogies that are given. Melchizedek quite to the, you know, quite the, he, he's the, he's this emblematic figure, this mysterious figure who has no genealogy. Hmm. Every time someone is introduced in, in the book of Genesis, son of father, there's some of, connection. Something like yeah, yeah. Even Abraham, you know, son of like terror, right? Like Melchizedek's just there. Hey, yo, what's up? He just shows up. He's kind of, he's kind of like that, that, that dusty figure out in, the wild, wild west. Yeah, yeah, you see him in the horizon, and he be huh. comes into focus. That's Melchizedek, and he comes, um, in this dual office of he is a king of Salem, right, which is the precursor to Jerusalem, right, Jeru and he's also Salem. a priest of uh -huh. the Most High. Like he works as a king priest or a priest king, and then his name is rather interesting. There is a long going debate on how to actually. Uh, makes sense of his name. But if you were to take at least some of the indicators in the name, you could derive from his name, Melki, which is my king. Melek in Hebrew is king. So Melki with the um, suffix is um, it's personalized my king. And then Zedek is the noun for righteousness. So my king, it could be my king is righteous, right? Or it could be my king is righteousness, mm. right? And you see this or or king of righteousness, uh -huh. right? These are some variations on Melchizedek, what they could understand. So you have this figure who has no genealogy and in having no genealogy, he has no beginning. And then the way he disappears, he has no ending. Mm. All right. So he has no beginning, no ending. He is both king and priest. And he is a king of righteousness. That is the king priest in the city of peace. Mm. Shalom, Shalom, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Salem. So he's the king of the king of peace, who is the king of righteousness. And then it's very interesting. Have you ever noted? Have you ever noticed what he comes bearing? No, I didn't. I didn't notice that. Yeah. If you go to Genesis 14, he comes bearing something. He actually gives something to Abraham. Oh, interesting. Bread, bread and wine. And wow. Right. So okay. as this king of righteousness, who is also the priest of God upon high king and priest in the city of peace 
He brings bread and wine to give to he who holds the promise of the seed that is to come, who is righteousness himself, who will one day be the king and priest of God and will sit on the throne of David in the city of peace. Interesting. So Melchizedek and everything he represents is meeting Abraham and within Abraham's loins is the fulfillment of the anti-type that Melchizedek embodies. I'm getting the whole Spider-Man meme vibes where they're yeah, pointing bro. at each other yeah. and they're they're pointing Melchizedek yeah. and Abraham are pointing at each other yeah. and they're 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 one and the same and yet still different. Yeah. Yeah. And That's so you so have interesting. Yeah, you have all of this at play so then I know, I know that this isn't part of the, the point of this passage, but do you yeah. think, because in Genesis, we've already met seemingly supernatural figures in the sense that like Enoch had no end in that he walked with God. Is, mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is Mikilzadek maybe one of these kind of like divine figures or is it just the, the narrative is, is, is instructing us to think in this way? Yeah, yeah. Very much, I think the latter, more importantly, that okay. the text is very much enchanted. Okay. You know, the, the assumption of the text is that you have uh, men and women speak to supernatural serpentine figures. Sure. You have... Pharaoh who talks to... the Pharaoh, Pharaoh who talks to, to God. God. Yeah, yeah. You have a God who sneaks up on people and whispers to them in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. You have, you know, celestial promises that we now take for granted. A rainbow. Sure. Right? Um you have uh miracles and 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 supernatural occurrings contrary to nature mm-hmm. which according to the text that's what rain was mm-hmm. right? it had not rained yet in the land right mm-hmm. rain is this brand new thing cuz prior to that the land had been um it had been, uh, been lush from the garden it was lush and it was always it, it was always a uh, what's the word i'm looking for here when you when you water ground fertile it had been watered maybe that's the verb it right moist. it was watered by uh dew yeah right yeah and so you're we, it's an enchanted world that even the beginning of the story man it's like you know the the creation story is people live in a snow globe with holes in it yeah. where the light comes through right uh-huh. this is this sort of imagery of the ancient world that genesis is in inhabits right hmm. so that Melchizedek is just another one. I mean, think about the Marvel universe, right? Every time they introduce a new power in the universe. I mean, how many huge powers can there be in the universe? Uh, Apparently there's always another, always another one. Then there's the Eternals. Then there's, uh, what's his face? Purple face man, uh, uh, from the Avengers. What's his name? Uh, oh, the, the guy who yeah, snaps. Yeah, the snap guy. What's oh, name? why, why is, I, I do enjoy Marvel. I'm wondering why I can't remember the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know everybody's screaming at us. They're it saying is, the name yeah. right now. What? What is his name? I'm gonna have to Google it because it's anyway. Uh, you know, there's always a new, a new power, right? Thanos. Thank you. There it is. There it is. Uh, and so in Genesis, think about a Marvel universe. It's just you know the next sort of enchanted encounter, and the dusty figure that emerges is actually this king priest who embodies this whole sort of symbolism of what jesus will um bring so the the narrative seems to assume that uh abram has some type of relationship with this individual already he's coming back from battle wants to give him the spoils of war and there's something that's interesting that's said in the text how the king of sodom this is verse 21 says to abram give me the persons but keep the goods for yourself Mm -hmm. 
What's the what's the deal with that? That seems kind of interesting. I, I'm sure it's not human sacrifice is not necessarily what's being suggested here because that's clearly against what verse uh, verse 21 of of genesis 14 yeah and the king of sodom said to abram give me the persons but take the goods for yourself yeah yeah uh yeah i i think i think that right there what you i don't know if there's deeper meaning but what I've, i've understood particularly after the way um Abram uh, response to him is that there's a division of the spoil of war between um, the king of Sodom and, and Abram, at least there's an attempt and there is a, a subtle uh, strategy at work here uh, from the, from the king, mm-hmm. you know, demonstrating a little guile of, Hey man, let's split this way and that way. And in that split, now there's this bond between him and the king so mm. that Abram being Abram's a bit of an outlier. Sure. People know Abram, but they also know that he serves Yahweh. He's this guy who listens to God, but everything he touches flourishes. Uh, I'm sure it has been told what he would happen with Pharaoh. Right. Abram's the sort of guy like he is touched by the divine. And so there's very much an attempt here, seemingly an attempt for some sort of political sort of uh, affiliation, right? Mm -hmm. By way of sharing the spoil. And Abram responds very astutely in saying, nah, man, you keep it all. I'm only taking what belongs to me. I don't want the persons or the spoil, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, He's he's very emphatic. I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high possessor of heaven and earth that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I've made Abram rich, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting lesson learned if we're following the trajectory of Abram uh, in in relationship back to Genesis 12, where he took the gifts of Pharaoh. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it's maybe here Abraham is is growing. There's a little bit of character development here that's, right. that's taking place where he's like, you know what? Every time that I've kind of like reached out on my own accord, it hasn't worked well yet. Yeah, it's a little bit. Hopefully that's a little bit of what's going on. But definitely, uh, as, as I've read and as I've understood that at least one element here is a political strategy on the behalf of the king of Sodom that Abraham uh, successfully sidesteps. And then you have another political figure who emerges, who is different from the politics of the King of Sodom, who is trying to uh, create these bonds of allegiance via material goods. The King of Salem just comes giving stuff. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Bread and wine. Right. Because, and then the, the pastor in Hebrews, like it's absolutely clear that the greater blesses the lesser. Huh? Right. Yeah. And in that act, he's like, oh, no, I'm taking a stand of superiority here over and against you. And uh, I have a I mean, if Abraham is one with a divine mission because he's under the care of God to accomplish this thing that he's he's stewarding this promise for the sake of the world. And Melchizedek is somehow greater than Abraham, because clearly the greater blesses the lesser then what and who is Melchizedek mm. that it might be even intimated in the text that he's slightly greater. Yeah. Like, right. And it's only later on, I think when the author, the pastor in Hebrews starts making these connections, you start seeing them. You're like, Oh, Oh, this is Melchizedek is none other than the figure. It's a pre-incarnate Christ figure right. that comes in like, Hey man, this thing's going to happen. That's awesome. So I love it. Yeah. I love it.
Yeah, man, the Bible's cool. <laughs> That's kind of like Marvel. <laughs> kind of like Marvel, but better. But better. And you actually that, real. That T-shirt, right? That T-shirt with Jesus amongst all the superheroes. And this is how I saved the yeah, world. Yeah, that's a good shirt. That's yeah, a good shirt. I think shirt. we've mentioned it before, but this moment it works. brought it to mind. There you go. Hey, thanks again for the conversations. My pleasure. Hey, uh, Justin, can I ask you one question yeah, though? What's up? Why are you still wearing the same yeah, shirt that I've about, seen in the last couple say, of episodes? For, for those who have been uh, astute in noticing that the last was it now three episodes that, that I've we've been recorded on, yeah, together, yeah. we're in the same exact position, wearing the same clothes, That's and, it's, right. and it's not that we haven't showered for a couple of weeks. Uh, it's that we're here in Hawaii, hanging out and making the best of our time. Uh, it feels like the old days of the move. Yeah. Uh, the, for context, uh, the old days of the move, we would shoot in person all the mm-hmm. time, uh, but we didn't live in the same state. Mm-hmm. And so when we would get together to shoot, we would shoot, I don't know, four or five, six, seven episodes in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, they were long days, especially at the very beginning. We were, we were, we were reflecting we were on trying this. to figure it out. At the very beginning, uh, we would shoot maybe four, yeah. maybe five episodes in a Over day. Over the course of like seven hours. And it would just feel be so tired. exhausting. <laughs> And now it's just like we can get three out in the time that it takes. Uh, Emily to go get cake. To go get, did you get some cake, babe? Did you get some cake? Oh, we got something different than cake. Well, uh, this is the end of the episode. We're going to go eat something different than cake. <laughs> See you later. Speaking of the previous series of The Move, if you haven't yet, we have a whole season one of The Move. Um, Unfortunately for our podcast listeners, it's not available on podcasts. That kind of sucks. I understand. It is what it is. Some of the files were lost in the mismanagement of files. It's just one of those things. It sucks to suck. (laughs) But if you want more and you're like, man, one episode or five episodes a week is not enough. Good news. Uh, season one of the move uh, the entire book of Romans is still available on the YouTube channel it's uh, Justin Koo search it for YouTube it'll be on one of the playlists the move season one and if you like this I'm sure you're gonna like that because we'll put the links in the show notes we'll do that we'll just we'll make it easier for we'll you make it easy check put it the out links in the show notes